I think once I made that visit to POSB or DBS to deposit my full piggy bank, I thought I was set for life. My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Hey! Hello, Hui Yu. How are you? Hey Debs, how are you? I always feel like when we say hey, how are you? It's like we've never se- we haven't seen each other in like the longest time, or it's just very like like we just ran into each other at Kopitiam. Now. Hey, how are you? How are you? <laughs> but it's true that we haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, that's true. When, Ever since you started well, your new job. In person, actually, we haven't seen each other in person. Yes. For a while. And I just recovered from COVID as well. So yeah. Oh yes, that's why we had to delay. Our first yes, uh, recording, right. yeah. So this 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 month's episode once again is late. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. You got COVID. I mean, it's a very yes, legit. I sounded, uh, yeah. I sounded horrible. In fact, I think I still sound a little bit like my voice is a little bit deep compared to like my usual voice. I think. <laughs> For you know, Mark might be just editing the podcast and thinking like, no, you just sound shrill as ever, Debs. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we are going to talk about pocket money. Oh, interesting. So, talking about pocket money, I have a very revelationary conversation the other day with my brother-in-law and my niece. Mm-hmm. So, basically, I was at uh, my sister's place, you know, so we were having, like, uh, wine and stuff like that. And my niece was just, she's 13, and she, she was at the table, you know, talking to the dad. And I think she wanted to buy something. I think some K-pop related concert ticket. I don't know. Uh, then after that, like the father said something, said no. You know, I think it was a K-pop memorabilia that she wanted to buy and the dad said no. And she was like a bit, like she was whining a little bit like, why, you know, that kind of stuff. Like surely we can afford to buy this, you know, that kind of stuff. I can use my own money. Then my brother-in-law said something. You know, Anya, it's not that we cannot afford to buy it. That's why I'm saying no to you. But I want you to understand that just because you can buy something doesn't mean you always need to buy it. Hmm. Wisdom. I know. And I feel like that is a very refreshing approach um, considering our generation and how so many of our friends nowadays, they have kids and we are we're slightly more comfortable, you know, and it's just so easy to say yes to your kids just to get them off your back, right? And further... To that conversation, my brother-in-law actually explained to my niece, right? Like, um, we're not rich, but we're comfortable, you know? And it's and it's not something that you, you should be taking for granted. You know, being comfortable means that, let's say, for instance, we, are, we all go out and you beg us to buy you Starbucks coffee. You know, we don't have to worry about not being able to pay for our groceries tomorrow just to buy you Starbucks coffee. So that is, it's good to be comfortable. It's not that we are rich, that you can buy flashy cars and, and go on, you know, uh, luxurious holidays. But it's just that when you're comfortable, you can indulge yourself without having to 
struggle or worry or have that inner conversation whether you're sacrificing something that you need to buy or pay for. Which I felt like, yeah, I think a lot of children these days don't have that concept. Like, basically, they they feel like, yeah, you know, I go out, I want bubble tea, my parents will buy it for me. Done. Hmm. You know, but whereas back in the days when I was a kid or, you know, a teenager, a long time right? ago. <laughs> yeah, a long, long time ago when policemen still wore shorts. <laughs> like, I was, I was telling my niece, you know, Anya, when... Last time when we were kids, we didn't even eat out all the time because my grandmother cooked all three meals for us. And the only time we ever got to eat out was when we got our report cards. And our report cards, you know, we had good results and our parents then took us out. And you know where we where was eating out? Like, like it was a treat for us. And you know where this treat was? Pizza Hut. <laughs> right it's not like why well, you know go to i don't know uh where is a very fancy place that all kids are like you know go to a cafe for brunch or even go to universal studio or this you know, just like yeah like or even to Haiti Lao for instance right like right. things that we don't think twice about spending today actually if you think back about it when we were kids at least for my circumstances, right? It's it's it, it was a treat. Eating out was a treat. Hmm. Yours, I guess yours is uh, uh Pizza Hut. Mine mm. was Swenson's. Yeah, hey, Swenson's. <laughs> my grandmother loves Swenson's. Like I remember, they had one Swenson's at this. Well, it's called Go Hill Square. I think it's in Novena. I don't know whether it's still called Go Hill Square. I think so. It's I opposite think it's there. Velocity. So yes. there used to be a Swenson's over there, and my grandmother loved the cone that was coated with peanut, the crunchy yes, cone. Yes, yes, like yes, yeah, yes. So she really loved that. Bless her soul. <laughs> so, yeah, so today yeah, we're talking about... Pocket yes. money, right? So yes. yeah, do you remember what your relationship with your pocket money was like? My relationship with, with pocket money was... I was quite... Okay, I was fortunate in the sense that I had enough. It wasn't extravagant, but I definitely had enough to eat. I think that was my, my parents' biggest concern, that I'll be starving, which I didn't, okay? But I do remember when I was in secondary school, and I, I came from a, a rather affluent secondary school, and I remember there was this classmate of mine. We, we used to hang out a lot, and every Friday, she would go to Thompson Plaza and buy stacks of CDs. Okay, this is wow. back in the day, uh, back in the day when like one CD cost at least 20 bucks. 21 dollars. Yeah. 21, right? 20, 21, 22, depending on yeah. who you're buying or all these things, right? And I remember she'll buy a stack. And I was so envious because I really enjoyed listening to music as well. But it's way beyond my budget to buy a stack. Okay, when I say a stack, right? Mm-hmm. It's at least five at one go every week without fail mm. okay for me for me for me if i were to buy a cd it's probably once a month i have to save up and okay because it's, it's not a necessity right it's a yeah it's, it's an extravagance it's something that i don't need i can listen to radio i was listening to i was young so i was listening to 97 <laughs> okay back then <laughs> but my parents didn't feel that cds were something that i needed for my education or for my well-being yeah. So they would refuse to pay for my CDs, which meant that I had to save. But uh, yeah, then I have um 
I will see my, my classmate go and buy a stack of CDs and I remember feeling so envious. But my relationship with pocket money, I would say that to this day, I will always tell people that actually because of the amount of pocket money I got, looking back, it was very telling how generous and how selfless my father is as a person. Now that I grow, like I've grown up, I know how much he was earning, you know, when he was trying to bring us kids up, right? And and the thing was, um, my sister and I, we had a lot of pocket money, even more than what some of my friends are giving their kids today. Okay, hang on, hang on. For context, do mm. you mind sharing with, with our listeners how much pocket money you received as a kid? So in secondary school, I was receiving $10 a day. Okay, okay. That, that, that's quite a lot, you know. Yeah, because when I asked one of my JC friends how much she was giving her daughter, she was actually giving her daughter maybe like $2 a day. How old is her daughter? Her daughter now is in polytechnic, so she has since increased the pocket money. <laughs> but yeah, that was I was quite shocked when she said that, yeah, I give um, Gabby $2 a day when, you know, growing... I was like, how are you supposed to be? Because the moment I step out of my flat, I spent $2. <laughs> The daughter takes um, food to school. So she's not expected to buy, you know, um, food in school. So that $2 is really maybe for to take emergency bus or I don't know. But um, yeah, so that's my, my, like growing up, that was like my pocket money. And then um, when I got into uni, you know, my dad was giving me $100 a week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I never actually thought much about the amount that he gave me because it just felt like, oh, you know, because I was from MGS and then ACJC, it felt like it was the correct amount. Like when I hang out with my friend, it, it, friends, it never felt like I needed to borrow money or I never had to say that I didn't have enough money to go to, you know, Oleo Dome or Coffee Bean or, you know, that kind of thing. But looking back, it was... My, my father probably had to, you know, give up what he wanted to give me and my sister and my brother the kind of pocket money. Oh, that blast from the past. Oleodome. 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 It's yes. been a while since I heard Oleodome. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, how many bucks a week when you were in I'm, uni? It's quite a luxury, yeah. isn't it? I know. Yeah, because it didn't occur to me until one day I was having prata with a uni friend out behind Yusuf Hall at mm-hmm. Clementi Road and he was asking me all these questions and then later he just like that's your dad is a very selfless man and I was just you know being young and foolish and this, I was just like what do you mean right like then he explained everything to me and that really really hit me I mean that you know so no matter what right like like sometimes you know my, my mom complains about my dad you know that kind of stuff but I always will remember that my dad actually had to give up a lot to give me, my sister and my brother, you know, the kind of comfort, the kind of money that we could spend when we were kids. Yeah. So that was my relationship with my pocket money. I had a lot. I had too much, I think, if you really, to be really honest. Wow. And I'm quite surprised that um, he continued to give you pocket money even when you were in uni. I know. Yeah. Because at that age, you are technically able to work part-time, right? Yes. And, yes. and make money. In fact, okay, for me, when I went to uni, I, after JC, in fact, 
I stopped receiving pocket money. Wow. Because my dad was like, okay, you know, uh, you are, how how was I, 18? Okay, I uh, and he said his responsibility to me was up to then. If I want to go to uni, please pay for my own uni education. He was not going to fund my uni education. And if uh, I need money, please, please go and work yourself. You are old enough and able. So go and be wow. independent. So yeah, that was I think my, I was, yeah. Yeah, I think I was very coddled. Like, too coddled. Like, my husband expressed disgust occasionally when he find when he you know whenever he asked me so you know did you work part time in you know as a kid as a teenager then I always give him that look like no why would I need to work part time wow <laughs> that kind of face but yeah I come to think about it you know that that's but my sister was the sensible one she gave tuition she did holiday job you know and yeah I think as as many of our listeners in our podcast know that my sister who is younger than me you know had a more um matured approach towards money management and I think she learned it really from young so coming back to this whole pocket money thing right I think my next question did your parents try to teach you any like money management skills when you were a kid using your pocket money as maybe a starting point or even to lecture you about how you should be using your pocket money? What was their attitude? I mean, did they have any expectations as to how you should be spending your pocket money? The only thing I remember them telling me uh, was to spend within my means. So if I was given, I can't remember how much I got in primary school, five bucks, no, three bucks. Then just spend, you can't, I was okay. They were okay with me spending the whole amount and not having any savings. But they told me that I shouldn't spend beyond how much I was given. And that it's always better to have savings. So they, they, okay, I remember when I was in primary one, maybe, or primary two, my dad brought me to a very old POSB branch that doesn't exist anymore to open my very first bank account. Oh, did you get an airplane? I, it wasn't an airplane that I got. It was something, some other piggy bank that I got. <laughs> but I remember the experience was so significant because I felt like an adult. I was doing some adulting. I have my own bank account. I have my own piggy bank now. You know, I can start saving. And that got me really excited about saving. But they didn't tell me what to do with my money. They didn't really talk to me about uh, money management. And sometimes I wish they did. I mean, especially when I was a lot older and started my, my current job. Because I would hear... okay. Let me give you one example. One day, I was over at my aunt's place. And she has, back then, uh, they were two young kids. Uh, they were probably, the younger one was in primary one. The older one was in primary three. And the primary one boy was asking his mom about inflation. Okay, inflation, uh, he was primary one, okay? And then he was telling his mom about how he doesn't want to put his money in a bank because this, the interest rate is so low and it's being eaten up by inflation. So he wants to invest it instead. And I was at the side listening to this conversation and I was wondering, wow, what on earth has your parents been, been talking to you about or what have you been listening to to give you this kind of knowledge? <laughs> and so I asked my aunt, like, why are they talking about such serious things or such uh, adult things at such a young age? And she told me that she and her husband don't shy away from talking to their children about uh, money management or financial planning or the importance of making wise investments and saving their money. 
And so from a young age, her kids are very exposed to investments, inflation, interest rates. They will ask her about it and they will ask her if they were to pass their savings to her to invest, what is the returns they can expect? And it really blew my mind. But yeah, that's just, just one isolated incident of my, my, my cousins, okay? But wow. what about you? You know, I know you went to ask your friends with children mm-hmm. how they educate their kids and what have you heard so far? Well, I did, I did like a kind of informal survey on WhatsApp and I asked them a few questions. So here's from my friend, Evelyn. Okay, so, so um, her do- she's got a daughter and a son. And um, so basically I said, you know, do you expect your kids to save some of their pocket money or is it like, like your case, right? Since it's pocket money, it's for you to spend, for example, right? And she says, yes, uh, because she considers it their salary. Okay. So she expects them as a rule of thumb to save at least 10% of their pocket money, which I felt like, wow, that's a really good rule of thumb to, to instill in your kids. Because for me, I was just told, oh, you need to save money, you know, just in case next time you need to buy things that you want. There was never actually a why and there was never actually a method shared with me. Whereas my sister did a better job. I think she was just saving for the sake of saving. Like I don't know. She Obviously, she had a lot more money in her bank as a kid than I did because I think once I made that visit to POSB or DBS to deposit my full piggy bank, I thought I was set for life. <laughs> I didn't bother saving anymore. Oh, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yes, so hence, the money awareness part really came quite late into <laughs> my life. And, you know, my friend also, out of the pocket money that she gives to, say, her daughter, right, she's also expected to use part of that pocket money to get her basic necessities, like, you know, uh, feminine hygiene products, um, facial cotton for her, her skincare products, example. So, so you know, the, the, the daughter is expected to pay for her own basic necessities out of the pocket money that she gets from my friend. Wow. Mm. Okay. So I, I feel okay. like that kind of structure is very good you know, to to start your kids off with. So I would say tip number one for any parents who want to sort of start getting their kids to be more aware of how money works or how money should be treated or, you know, the relationship with money. If you want to start your kid, you know, on a journey to building good relationship with money is to sort of give them some kind of structure. Because if I had that structure, I probably would know what to do with my money. But if you keep it like, loose and happy, like, oh, safe because you might want to buy a Barbie doll for Christmas or that kind of thing, it will, I don't think it will sink in. You got what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think that kind of structure really works. So, how about you? Have you heard of any interesting story from your side? Actually, I really like this this structure that your friend introduced to her, her daughter. And I think 10% is an easy enough amount to remember. In fact, mm-hmm. if she wants to simulate real life, right, make it 20%, then it become like CPF. <laughs> so why not just start early and i think it also instills a lot of independence in her daughter Mm -hmm. because she has to pay for her own necessities i mean for me i had it easy i I took it for granted i just i would just tag along to ntuc Mm -hmm. and make my parents pay for every damn thing 
you know, yeah. if I need if I needed to buy toothpaste or nonsense, I know shampoo. Or, I I knew that they would pay, so I just discounted that from my expense. Mm. My expense was purely what I wanted to buy, and similarly, I didn't have any structure when I was young. If I had savings, hooray! If I didn't, I would mm. still get by because they will still cook, they will still pay for me, and yeah. So um, I was talking to the same cousins, okay, but they're much older now. Once in sec two, once in sec four. Okay, one day they were in my car, and I asked them if they finished spending their pocket money, and they looked so shocked, and they looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" Then I asked them, "Do you never exceed your pocket money?" I mean, I'm guessing the stuff in your your canteen is not that cheap, right? These days with inflation and all these things. Mm. Then they said, "Well, okay." One bowl of wonton mee or something cost maybe two bucks, which is not the cheapest. Okay, and then my the female cousin in um uh, in sec four, she said if she feels like indulging, she will have some jab bento or something that costs three plus, which sounds like a full court price to me, right? So I said three plus sounds quite expensive, and you don't exceed your pocket money. So her hack is that. She doesn't buy drinks. Okay, she brings her water bottle. She drinks from her water bottle, and and that's all. She mm-hmm. just needs to eat that one meal in school, and she's back home for dinner. And then it got me very curious because it sounds to me like they have in their entire life, right? They have never exceeded their pocket money. So I asked, "How much do you get?" And then they said, seven dollars a day," which to me is not a lot. <laughs> I mean, it can buy you two sets of the bento. Yeah. Right. So then I ask them, okay, what? How how do your parents give you the money? Do they give you on a daily basis, weekly, or monthly? So they said weekly. And I was like, okay, have you ever come across a situation where, let's say, you finish spending the the entire week's allowance by Wednesday, and you need to ask for more? And once again, they looked at me like I was from another planet, right? <laughs> and they said, no, it has never happened before because to them. They are given a lot of money. I guess this um financial education on their parents' part really played a very big uh part in mm. how they allocate their own spending. Yeah, and they are extremely disciplined. Yeah, yes, Debs, you look like you have some thoughts on this. I think yeah, I think some of the key values that a child can pick up through how they manage their pocket money is. Also, some of the things that parents need to consider, right? For your case, it's discipline. I stick to the amount that I've been given. If I need to spend more on the food that I want to buy, I would just have to drink water instead of buying myself a drink. So, discipline is definitely one of the key values that parents should be looking at. You know, introducing their children to through maybe the way they spend their pocket money. One interesting thing that I also found out through my conversation with my friends. Um, my friend Grace, you know, the one who gives her daughter two dollars a day. So she gives her daughter two dollars a day since primary one until sec four. So until secondary school, right? Gabby was only getting two dollars a day. Okay, and I was just so shocked. And I said, "What?" That, but she, but you know, basically she's free to pack anything she wants from home. You know, as her as what she wants to eat. She also has bottled teas and soda, so she can also take these to school if she wants. If she didn't, if she doesn't want to drink water, right? And my friend says, like, the thing is, 
what this has taught her daughter is to be innovative and entrepreneurial because Gabby, right, earns extra money by drawing uh, fan art and she sells them. So basically, if somebody likes, you know, for instance, Blackpink or BTS, right, she actually draws very nice, like, illustrations of the band members and she actually can sell them. And and I think she's also quite good with, like, PowerPoint and illustration and animation stuff. So there was once, um, I think, another kid from another school paid her some money to do, like, animation for his project. Wow. So that's how she makes a little extra on the side to, you know, subsidize, like, some of the things that she might want to buy that maybe her pocket money would not be able to to cover. So I th- I think that's really quite good. Like, yeah, she buys and sells her K-pop idol uh, merchandise and she sold her animation skills, like, to this, like, SGI boy for $50. I was like, that is very innovative and entrepreneurial. Well, this side hustling starts young. I know. I'm very impressed, actually. (laughs) That's a very important survival skill. Good job. Okay, okay, yeah. I think it's very helpful, especially in the gig economy. Mm. I know. Yeah. Yeah, to start your kid um, thinking out of the box and, Mm. and paying for their own, I don't know, interests or lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, even for adults, right? I see friends or, or clients thinking about how to to start their side hustle and mm. they regret that they are starting a bit late in life. But wow, your friend's kid has a head start. Did you learn anything surprising about yourself from the way you manage your pocket money? Uh... Okay, a lot of the education came from observation. Okay, I mentioned in, in previous episodes that my, my dad was is a gambler. And so that really scarred me because we had to sell the house, we had to sell the car, we had to pawn valuable items. And basically, it, it reduced the family to nothing. And it took away our pride. So that was a, a very major lesson for me. And I learned that gambling is dangerous and that if I got addicted to gambling, I could very easily spend my entire savings. And so that was, I mean, these are the things that I, I learned from observation, not that they taught me. I mean, on the side, my, my aunts and my mom, they told me like, okay, look, this is what happens when you gamble and it spirals out of control. And yeah, but I must say, because I've been quite, my parents were quite relaxed when it comes to giving me pocket money and how I spend it. And in fact, they are quite lenient in the sense that if I requested for something extra, like I wanted the, the latest Walkman or Discman or like what's that, MP3 player, no, there was something else. Like, yeah, I was into all these gadgets. They would just buy. Uh, or back then I was playing table tennis. And table tennis bets are expensive. They, they, but they'll just pay for me. I mean, I told them, I used the excuse that, oh, I'm in a school team. I need a, a, a better bet to win my games. And they were like, okay, if you need it for school, we'll pay for you. So I didn't have any, I didn't really have hard lessons. Or, or I, I didn't really have to, to think of side hustles or get extra money. I just mm-hmm. couldn't 
afford those luxuries like five CDs in a week. <laughs> but I, I could definitely get by. And it, it sounds from what you shared that you had a very comfortable uh, school day as well. Actually, it was not completely comfortable, right? I mean, I had enough to cover like when I want to eat out, when I want to hang out with my friends, when I want to go to McDonald's, I never had to worry. But I think one of the things that I learned through my relationship with money growing up, you know, just in general, not just from my pocket money, was that the whole concept of comfortable, like being comfortable, if you choose to spend on something, you know, um, you don't really have to worry that you're sacrificing on something else, which was something that had actually always surfaced in my conversation with my mom. So my mom was really the mo- the the bad cop, so to say, right? So I remembered um I wanted to take O level art, okay, and in sec three there was all, all these like you know buying watercolor and you know watercolor is not just your Pentel type of watercolor, it's you know those solid cubes that you buy individually and you have to put build your own palette and each cube is maybe like $8. So to build a palette of maybe like 20 colors, it's already like, what, $160 just for watercolors. And that's not including brushes, watercolor paper. You know, watercolor paper is different from your normal drawing board type of paper. It's it's dimpled and so that it absorbs the water and stuff like that. And Or if, let's say, the subject that I want to major in is fashion design for art. I have to buy a lot of research book, you know, to show how to draw the human figure. And art materials and art books are not cheap. So right. okay. I was under this impression that because it's for school, it's a justifiable expense, right? Hmm. So I really didn't think twice every time I wanted more money to buy my art materials. Until one day, my mom really was like quite fed up with my expenses. And she just like said, do you know you're spending more money than me? Wow. Yeah. And I think I felt a combination of shame as well as guilt. Because it was like, my goodness, you mean my family can't afford to buy me art materials? Okay, that was the shame part, right? But I think more than that, I felt the guilt. Like, oh my God, like, I didn't know I was being so coffin. You know, okay. I had overstepped what was expected of me and how I should be dealing with money. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think what I learned through that, you know, like my relationship with money really came from these difficult conversations, so to say. Like, although I was comfortable, I was not affluent. You know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> you know, so now my attitude towards money is always like, I want to earn so much, okay, that I don't have to worry that if, let's say, for instance, I want to buy, just two days ago, I think I spent over $5,000 buying stuff for the new flat. So, like, you know, oh my God, I, I can see that disapproving look in your eyes. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm just so, curious. What yeah, do you so buy? Out of curiosity, what do you um, buy? The induction hub, the cooker hood, uh, ceiling lights, what else? Fridge, you know, that kind of thing. So, for for the new flat, right? And, you know, I con- I just charge it all to my credit card. But I was not feeling worried. I wasn't feeling like, oh my goodness, if I buy all these, that means, you know, 
I would have to eat grass for the next one month <laughs> or something like that, right? It was just like, okay, I would just have to manage my spending for the next few months to make sure that I don't overspend and to make sure I don't get into credit card debt. So yeah, growing up, that was always been that has always been like my philosophy towards money that I must earn enough so that when I when it comes to the things that I want to buy, I never have to worry whether I am giving up on something else. I don't have to drive the latest Tesla or something like that. I don't have to stay in a big fancy condominium. GCB, you know, yeah, yeah or even buy great class bungalows, right? But I just need to know like the lifestyle that I want and the things that I want, you know, my money and my salary can support can support them without me feeling as if like I have to really slice off a piece of my a piece of my flesh to make ends meet, right? So yeah, I think that was what I learned about myself growing up. If you put yourself in the shoe of a parent, if you were mm. a parent today, okay, like say All for right. instance, there's a little query running around oh, in dear. your flat. Terror, right? terror. <laughs> what is the most important money lesson do you think you want your kid to grow up with? First lesson definitely will be to spend within your means. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It is very empowering to be able to spend what you have and what you make. I don't think it's good for the self-esteem when you mm-hmm. need to borrow or beg. So definitely spend within your means. And I like the 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 lesson that your friend shared, which is saving 10% mm. of what you have. Maybe I'll increase it to 20% uh, just for the challenge and to simulate a, a future CPF scenario. So <laughs> yeah, why, I mean, why not start earlier, right? Also, the importance of investing. Because this day, these days, the bank interest rates are really very low. And we know for a fact that GST is going to increase. And the general inflation in Singapore is getting higher and higher, especially if you look at transport inflation, like how expensive COE is these days. Oh, it's just completely crazy, right? Yeah. And to prepare for that, the kid will have to be exposed to investments, investing tools, and at least knowing the pros and cons of each investing tool and and what his or her risk appetite is. I mean, these sound like very big topics, right, when we talk about it. But interestingly, from my observation of my cousins, they listen to it from a from a very simple point of view. They just absorb what they can, and they will ask you what they don't understand. And it's actually quite a simple conversation. It's quite a straightforward conversation. It's not like adults, right? Where sometimes they feel very paise to ask you what they don't know and they pretend they know. But with kids, if they don't know, they tell you they don't know. <clears throat> and so I feel it's a lot easier to establish that understanding with them. So yes, three things. Let me just summarize. One, spend within your means. Two, set aside 10 or 20%. Three, Start investing from a young age. Yes, what about you? If you have... I cannot imagine young Deborah Tans, you know. <laughs> but hey, I was just telling... Had... I was just telling Denise, Vanessa and Lily, our, our friends, yes. that a fortune teller once said that if I had... I should consider having one child because my child, according to my eight characters, is going to be good-looking, 
and smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, why you laugh? Okay. Please it's don't completely just... <laughs> believable, okay? I'm so intelligent, you know. <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. Please endow us with this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. But yes, if there that there is a little depth running around behind me right now, the kind of money lesson I would like to instill in her is first of all, please don't take it for granted that you will be looked after when you grow up. Because I feel I feel an innate sense of uh, I, I wouldn't even like like I wouldn't say it's disgust, but I would I feel like I don't I disapprove of parents who feel like they need to leave they like you know when they talk to their financial planner they say like oh by the time my child is twenty one I want to make sure he's a millionaire I don't agree to this type of upbringing. Yes, it's very nice of you as a parent to make sure that I get a good head start in life, but. I feel like it's overcompensating in a way. I don't want my child to grow up thinking that he's covered. Yeah. Okay. So I, I for one, will not be building a trust fund for my kid. I will not be making sure that when he reaches 21, he has a condo waiting for him. If he wants a roof over his head, he either buys it himself or he does it like everyone else, get married and apply for HDB flat and wait in line like everyone else. <laughs> so I'm a bit harsh that way. I don't believe in cushioning the road ahead of them. Okay, that's number one. Number two is that if you really want something, you work for it. Okay, maybe your pocket money doesn't cover it. Okay, but then you would need to, I don't know, exchange your labor for extra pocket money. For say, for instance, like if you wanted to buy. I don't know, the latest Nerf gun or something, right? And your pocket money doesn't quite cover it, okay? And you do not have generous uncle and aunties to buy that for you for Christmas, then you will just have to, you know, walk the dog. I will pay you $2. Make your own bed and I'll pay you a dollar. So for that, you know, I feel like kids need to know that they need to work for money. Money is something that you need to work for, you know? So that is something... I would like my child to to also be aware of. It's not going to come to you on a silver platter. It's not going to come to you just because you ask for it. Okay? I think the third is opportunity cost. So there was a very interesting TikTok video that um, Lily shared with me yesterday. So basically, a mom, she was very confused because she went to buy coffee and the Starbucks um, barista was saying that, oh, your coffee will be $5. And so she took out five dollars in cash to give it to the girl and the girl was like oh you're paying by cash great it's like free so in that whole talk she said i don't understand why she felt that cash was free so she so she went home and she asked her 18 year old daughter and the daughter was like yeah because you know um if you pay using cash it doesn't hurt your bank account so it's like free anyway the concept is something maybe you know this is where the millennials and the gen z people will say oh you boomers obviously you don't get the concept and whatsoever right but i think the idea that cash once it's out of the bank you know and it's not going to touch that digital number in your bank account hence cash is free is really warped because there is an opportunity cost you take that cash out of your bank account to spend even if you don't touch the money in using your debit card that cash could have been sitting in your bank account earning whatever pittiest 
interest a bank could give you. But it is not free. There is an opportunity cost. You take that money out, you are set, you are, you know, giving up the chance for that money to do something else and to be something else for you. So that concept of opportunity cost has to be, you know, learned and has to be taught correctly to kids as well. Money is not free. Cash is not free. I mean, just try wiping your mouth with a $50 note, crumpling it and leaving it on a hawker center table and see if somebody will throw it away like a piece of tissue or somebody will pick it up, clean it and use it. Okay, so money in cash is not free. So yes, there is an opportunity cost to how you spend your money. So three things, right? Like, first of all, I'm not going to be leaving you anything. Secondly, you need to work for your money. And third, there is an opportunity cost, you know, every time you decide how you want to spend your money. One of the things that is increasingly getting better for parents and kids these days is that the taboo around discussing money is not as strong as when it was between our parents and us. That's what I feel. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes growing up, right, you know, to talk about money was uncomfortable. I remember once, you know, when I ran into the house very excitedly asking my dad for $10 to go and buy something. And my dad was like in the mid- middle of eating his lunch and he put down his like chopsticks and spoon and he looked at me and says, don't ask me for money when I'm eating. You know, that kind of thing. So it was like, yes, you know, yeah, I shouldn't have like disturbed somebody when he was having his food and like asking the man for money and stuff like that, right? But I felt like, you know, the growing growing up, there was always this like delicate dance that I was doing, you know, with around money. And I'm sure many of my friends probably also have experienced that, especially if let's say, for instance, you're not coming from what we call a white collar family, right? So, you know, if let's say, yeah, so I think, but now, nowadays, I feel like that has changed. Like, like you said, parents are very comfortable talking to their children about different investment methods, about what inflation is, about how you should be spending your money, building some kind of structure around how they should be saving their money. So I think that's a really good thing. That's a that's a really great change that we're seeing right now. And I think it will only get better once, you know, the, the importance of financial literacy gets more embedded, you know, and schools really start teaching kids how to manage their money. Like one of my friends, she was saying that uh, her, ch- her daughter was telling her, why why do schools bother teaching us algebra and trigonometry when they should be teaching us how to file our taxes and like uh, you know <laughs> balance our checkbooks right which makes more sense like do i use algebra and trigonometry today no but i would like to know how much like tax claims reliefs i can you know claim when i file my taxes every year and stuff like that so i think that is some kind of useful knowledge to be shared here you know and educators and the school system should really look at including financial literacy literacy into their curriculum definitely and i think it's very helpful for children when parents introduce this topic of financial literacy at a young age i and it's quite encouraging to see that more and more parents are okay from my client pool okay what i am witnessing is that more and more young parents are open to the idea of talking to their kids about money and how they spend, how they plan, and the pitfalls that they they themselves went through and how the kids can avoid it. I think it's a very healthy topic to talk about. I mean, and like you said, when you remove the taboo around the topic of money, it makes a, 
a way healthier relationship with money mm. that the children can grow up to embrace. So I, I like how you're ending to this episode with the topic of financial literacy. I think it can only be better moving forward if more and more parents embrace introducing this topic to their kids mm. at a young age. Yeah. And on that note, we end July's episode. Um, and so we will see you all again in August. Thank you for listening to us. And um, if, as usual, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at goodgirlstalkaboutmoney at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.